mom first. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I like this song. This is AJR, uh, a band that I didn't know a lot about. I heard some of their music, um, you know, because it was played on a bunch of radio stations. But for the most part, I wasn't a huge fan of AJR until last night. Uh, I got some tickets, my wife and I did, to the fall concert that takes place at ISU. I was also not aware that the concert was predominantly like a student-attended thing. And uh, my wife and I did a bunch of student things this weekend. We actually sort of felt like ISU students. We went to the football game, our first ISU football game this past Saturday. We went to the the fall concert on Sunday night. And then we just so happened, uh, I was trying to find a Starbucks this morning for us to hit before coming into work. And the closest one to my house, according to the Googles, was the one on campus. So uh, this past weekend, I kind of pretended to be an ISU student, as did my wife. And now she actually wants to get her master's there. But that's another story for another time. Uh, The concert was amazing. I thought that all three people performed, all three bands performed well. Fletcher was a really cool uh, person, a really cool um, performer. So it was nice to see her and learn more about her music. Uh, The guys who started the show, uh, 301. Three? Is that what it is, Neil? Neil, you're a young person. I believe so, okay. yes. Do you know the 303? You know what? I heard, I know one of their songs. Right. And I had friends that also went to the concert last night, and I knew some of the groups. But, yeah, they were playing a couple of the songs. I said, oh, I know those. And so. your your friends were appropriately aged in the early 20s. Yeah, My early. wife and I are mid-30s. <laughs> there were not a lot of people our age. And certainly just, I saw a couple of dads, though. So for the dads that went out and you brought your kids, because there were two younger kids behind us who seemed to be huge Huge fans of AJR, uh, who performed third that night, uh, and that was a late night for those boys, but that guy's a trooper to go out and sit through that whole thing. I don't think he was having a good time. The students seemed to love everything. They knew the, the words to almost all the songs performed by all three artists, so it was a fun thing to experience, even if it was slightly an accident for Betty and I, because, you know, I'm at a radio station and someone says, hey, I got a pair of free tickets, I, I go to stuff, so that's something I learned that... Maybe some of the stuff I'm going to go to might be, you know, uh, targeting a younger demo than my wife and I are in. But we're not, you know, ancient. We're not, I don't think anybody looked at us too strange. By the way, the girl actually, the woman who served me at Starbucks, either was being nice about it or truly thought I was a student. Because when I, I finished my order, she said, would you like to pay for that with, like, your flex plan? <laughs> and I was like, you're so awesome. That's a $10 tip for you. I love that weekend, though. You're, you're taking in, obviously, Bloomington Normal, big, yeah. you know, ISU, also Illinois Wesleyan. So there's two college campuses, also Heartland Community College. I mean, this is a college town, so I, I love know. that you're partaking. I went to ISU, so I love to hear it. A lot of Red Bird spirit, a lot of, you know, college awesome. experiences I this mean, weekend. next weekend I plan to tailgate and do some <laughs> yeah, sort of, like, keg go. race with someone, <laughs> so I'll be hammered by 6 o'clock in the uh, night or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, for, for the most part, it was a really fun time. We also checked out the Miller Park Zoo. Uh, I do have Jay Tetzlov coming on the show next week, and I thought there would be no appropriate way to have a conversation with him without seeing the zoo, so that was a lot of fun. The Red Panda, by the way, is a huge... It has to, that has to be a huge draw at the zoo, because I don't think I've seen many Red Pandas in my life, even at, you know, big city zoos, and that was, that was a very cool thing. Uh, my wife, for whatever reason, loved the iguana. She did not want to leave the iguana, um, which to me seemed like, a, you know, it's a smaller animal in a reptile cage, so it's not the big draw to me, but that was her her favorite. But she is from Mexico, so maybe she likes the desert creatures better. I don't know. Uh, there were quite a few things, though, that were cool about the zoo, so we hit that up today, or I mean on Sunday. And then finally, um, although actually, you know, we did this uh, throughout the day, we saw the, the ISC football. We were all over that. And she loves the band 
The band is Betty's favorite thing, it seems, on earth. She wants to be a part of the band, I think. Uh, she didn't even know there was a football game going on on Saturday because she was way too obsessed with the, engi- the giant, giant ISU band uh, that performed great. They played Disney songs uh, that I knew the words to. And while I was trying to sing the words to the Disney songs during the halftime show, my wife kept hitting me in the, sh- in the stomach, being like, Stop it! I want to hear the music! And I'm like, but they're playing, they're playing the Lion King theme song. I know the words to this song. Uh, I love it. There you go, Big Red I, Marching Machine. Exactly. It was yeah. a fun. It was a fun weekend. All right, I've got Blake gonna. He's gonna swing in studio because I don't know if you heard the show on Friday, but Blake or, or this might have been. I forget what day it was last week, but Blake had a question that the uh, listeners helped him out a lot with. It was a friendship slash dating question, and and yet again, it appears that. The young Blake can't seem to live his life without help from the WJBC audience, so listeners are going to call in to help him out, hopefully, with the correct present to bring to a housewarming. Uh, I just discussed this off the air, and I'm promoting Blake, although actually I'm not sure, I'm pretty sure this is a demotion, not a promotion, but I found out that most people seem to still, I, Blake, these are your own words, treat you kind of like the intern you used to be five and a half years ago or so on this show? Yeah. Well, or at the station? Yeah, kind of. Well, I was an intern here five and a half years right. ago, but yeah. So they still sort of give well, you that same know. intern treatment a yeah. little bit? Well, Scott Miller makes fun of me every day, so yeah, I think okay. that counts. Kind of, so yeah. now you're the official intern of the Craig Collins Show. That okay. It comes with no responsibilities whatsoever. Okay. Except for the fact that every so often you will come on the show and we'll give you help. The listeners and I what? will help you with your issues as Blake the intern is now a character on the show. Let's do it. I got dating advice earlier a couple of weeks ago. Dating slash friendship advice. I got in a Twitter fight. You did. That happened. Yeah, that you're right. The, have you appeared on the show every week then? Yes, I have. I've only been here three weeks. And I've been here every time. That's fantastic. Yeah. Look at this accident. So what What can we help you with this time, Blake? Well, I, I'm in a bit of a sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you sure? I feel like that's. Yeah. I feel like you're. Ma- okay, what's sticky about your? Uh, so my two friends just got. Well, Neil and I's friends got married uh, a couple of weeks ago. Our newsman Neil knows yeah. these people as well. Okay. Yeah, he's not an intern. He's an actual. Right, he's a newsman. No, you're Blake the um, intern. So we got invited to a friendsgiving. If you don't know what that is, it's a Thanksgiving, but it's all your friends. Okay, I'm woke. 2019. Plan. I got yeah, you. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing. They just got a new house. Okay, so it's sort of like a housewarming yeah. slash friendsgiving. Yeah. And it's taking place this weekend. Yes, on Saturday. Nowhere near Thanksgiving. No. Friends weekend is this weekend. Yeah. But you'd like to bring a housewarming gift. Yeah, what do I take? Okay. Now, you attended the wedding of these two people, correct? Right. Okay. And you got them a lovely wedding gift? Yes, I did. All right. My idea for you, before we have anyone call in, and please call in to help Blake at 829-2345. Tell him what he should bring to the Friendsgiving housewarming party that you're attending. Yeah. Uh, but I told you that you should spend about half the amount you spent on the wedding gift for a housewarming gift of some kind, and you can you can go rogue, do whatever you want. It can be a bottle of wine, maybe a lovely plant. I don't want to be them. that guy to take a bottle of wine like everybody else <laughs> takes a bottle of wine. You want to be more original. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Okay. I want to stop at the Circle K and grab a five dollar bottle of wine. Now, Neil, you know these people too, correct? I do. Yes. We Blake and I both went to their wedding. We went to college with them. So yes. Right. Uh, they would appreciate a bottle of wine, in your opinion? Yes or no? I think yeah, very much so. I, I feel like it's kind of tough too because this is again, this is the first time most of us, and well, I unfortunately won't be able to make it this weekend, but most people are seeing their house that they just recently moved into and then it's also this as blake said friendsgiving we're getting together as friends will do sometimes now in the month of november to celebrate you know friendship whatever it's like thanksgiving but early no i so i, I think don't... i get the the point of the friendsgiving you guys were in college together right and you all celebrated thanksgiving maybe 
together sure. at that point. And so now none of you want to let go of college, so you all want right. to pretend to still be in it sure. a few weeks early in November and I, do a Friendsgiving. I don't think it's – but I see – I feel like you're kind of obligated to bring something for the Friendsgiving yeah. because that's the point. I mean, normally for that, it's like a potluck style, so you everybody brings something. I think they're more supplying maybe the main dish. Blake, but then maybe you, you bring a side – right. But then I, then I feel like Blake's also been worried because then he feels like he needs to also bring a housewarming gift because they just moved into a new house. They Correct. Did a lot of it. It looks really cool from the pictures I've seen. Neil, by the way, as you were saying all that, I asked Blake what he was cooking and bringing food-wise, yeah, and I the reaction uh, was, I can make frozen chicken strips and frozen <laughs> pizza. So maybe you just stop at a local place yeah. and you pick something up. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think a bottle of wine is great. Obviously, one, whether it's drank during the dinner or the, you know hanging out that night, that's great. Or if not, they save it. And I think Craig said that earlier. They could save it and drink it. You yeah, know, they could do it on that. Well, okay, so you want to go, you want to be the impressive guy who has the original gift, though. You don't want to be the every right. guy who has the bottle of wine. So I, I, I need more information about the couple. What are some interesting characteristics about either of these two people that we could lean into? Can we steer into anything? One's in the Marines. Maybe I get him a gun. Of that, <laughs> this is why Blake needs help, people. Anyone who's listening to WJBC, his honest idea right now was to bring a gun to a friend's giving party because one of the two guys is a Marine. Out of all the items that he doesn't need, I think like an extra gun. How how high end of a gun? Because well, you know, wait a minute. I said that the amount of money you should spend is half of your wedding gift. Yeah. And I don't want to say how much your wedding gift costs, but the gun would not be expensive. This would be a very cheap. I'm assuming toy gun. You can't afford yeah. an actual gun at that amount of money. No, I can't. Okay. I got two guns right now in my arms. There, oh, there uh. you go. You can just, you're going to go with a cutoff and just show up and, and throw the guns Some out. George. And just tell the guy they're for him. Yeah. That'll be a very uncomfortable way to walk into that party. This is why Blake needs help. All of this is why Blake needs help. Please call us at 829-2345. Tell him what to bring to this Friendsgiving slash housewarming party. And definitely recommend he doesn't bring both guns out and tell them they're for his Marine <laughs> no gun. friend. Yeah, gun, the guns are going to stay. Just a couple more minutes before the news on the Craig Collins show. Uh, I do want phone calls, text, however you want to send it in. Although I think, you know, maybe give it a day on the text because I don't think that they're fully fixed yet. Uh, we had that issue last week, but we should have texting capabilities by tomorrow. But for now, just call me at 829-2345 and let me know uh, what Blake should do about his housewarming uh, Friendsgiving predicament that most of us might just bring a bottle of wine. He wants to do something else, and it, it should not be a gun. So please, please do help him. I, I have to let you know that this half hour of the show is uh, the Craig Collins Show is sponsored by Exxon and Mobil. Uh, Exxon and Mobil has a read in here somewhere. There it is. Hold on one second. I got it. Exxon and Mobil's new Synergy Supreme Plus Premium Gasoline, their best fuel ever, keeps your engine two times cleaner for better gas mileage. It's supreme. It's premium. It's a premium. Fill up today or go to Exxon.com for more details. A lot more coming up on the show. We will preview uh, TEDx Normal in the next hour. In the 4 o'clock hour of the show, we have a great guest on. Uh, Katie Brown is coming in. In the 5 o'clock hour of the Craig Collins Show, we're going to be talking to someone from the New York Times about an amazing article that she wrote about finding out your consumer, your hidden consumer profile. We all have them, apparently. Companies will put together data on you, and they'll send it off to to you know, people that are looking to sell you all kinds of products and a lot of the online activity you do, you accidentally sign up for this kind of stuff. So a profile builds. When she found hers, it was over 400 pages long. So she'll come on and tell you about it and how you can find out more information on your 
secret consumer profile. This is the Craig Collins Show. I am trying to figure out buttons all the time and sometimes make mistakes. But anyway, I have a guest in studio who uh, I'd love to talk to because you wrote a really interesting opinion piece in the Panagraph just this past weekend. I think it appeared on on Saturday or was it on Sunday? Sunday, yeah. Okay, Sunday. Thank you. Uh, you are, first and foremost, just to introduce you, Justin Boyd. You are a country financial guy. I am. Uh, your office is located at 411 North Main Street. If people want to show up there, they can obviously call you, <laughs> yeah. and that is... I, I appreciate the free commercial. Yeah, yeah you you're welcome. 663-0652. Hey, man, I get you in. you got to talk about this article. I don't want to, you know, not mention the company. Um, but anyway, I, the reason that I thought it was so interesting is I've talked to a couple entrepreneur or consultants for entrepreneurs so far in the first few weeks of the Craig Collins Show, uh, and I have an, a vested interest in this kind of stuff because at one point I was trying to get my own startup off the ground, and I yeah. know the the issues with trying to get that to work and certainly some of the challenges in understanding parts of the process and your article covered uh, first how small businesses might struggle to deal with the city in understanding the right process to go about getting certain you know licenses or whatever it is so talk a little bit first about some of the challenges that you pointed out in this article yeah well I mean in, in my in my editorial I just basically spoke about how with the city of Bloomington town of normal and, and the county there can be sometimes be a lot of hurdles you have to jump through to start a business or to expand a business. And when we're talking about small business owners, oftentimes we're talking about one person or two people staffs. And they just don't have the time to navigate through those hurdles and, and jump over the, jump over those. Um, you know, you could talk about the, sometimes they go to an office and they say, here, here's a stack of paper, fill this out, bring it back. Exactly. To you know, a week later they bring it back and they got to take it to a different department. And it could take months and months and months to get off the ground. And a lot of people just don't have that time. And that's precious time when you're start trying to either start a new business or expand a new business. Well, and it's interesting that you say it that way too, because any huge business you know, anyone that you come across, it really was most likely started by like two, three people at yeah. most yeah. that thought they had a really great idea. And when you're early on in the process, you have to do everything. You're the PR person, the salesperson, the CEO, yeah. every aspect of your the company. Yeah. The right. Yeah. Whatever it is, in order to take your business to the next level and hopefully start being able to afford to pick up employees, however that process works for you. So it is very interesting to think that maybe some of these roadblocks can be prevented if, and you point out in the, art, in the uh, editorial that, a liaison of some kind would be incredibly beneficial. I, I think that's the the easy answer is just to have someone dedicated that works for the city of Bloomington that can help someone navigate through this. I think if Bloomington wants to grow the local economy, we can't just talk about economic development. We have to be a part of the economic development, yeah. and that means speaking to small businesses, speaking to speaking to large businesses. Um, I I didn't have an opportunity to talk about this in my in my editorial, but I think having a commission or, or, or some kind of advisory board built of small business owners that speak to our local um, alderman and mayor on a quarterly basis at least to let them know what the what the feeling is among the business community is important i think yeah. you know oftentimes the, the city council and the mayor don't understand the hurdles that, that that these business owners have to go through and so just being able to get involved and listen to those ideas um, and those struggles can be really beneficial in the future to grow our economy you're absolutely right i think very often uh, our politicians just don't appreciate the nuances of some of the ways in which the experience is different from that side of the aisle and so the best way to understand that opinion better is to bring in those minds and hear from those minds directly with each because so many things are evolving right? right technology is changing there's so many different ways in which launching a business today is is utterly different than 10 15 20 years ago so you have to keep all that in mind when creating the correct process to make it as easy as possible i thought this was interesting too in your uh, editorial you did mention a stat two-thirds 
of new jobs come from new businesses over the last 15 years. Is that right? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's not my study, of course. But, yes, I mean, that's what, that's what I understood. And it makes sense, right? I mean, if you look at the city of Bloomington in particular, I mean, you look at our downtown and throughout Veterans Parkway and Hershey, they're made up predominantly of small businesses. I mean, look yeah. at the local restaurants that we've seen open and Rob Dobbs on Hershey and Tony's Tacos in downtown and uh, JP's Wheel and Ale House getting ready to open on Hershey. I mean, these are businesses that are going to employ dozens of our of our neighbors, right? Yeah. These are people that live next to us that need jobs. And, and so we need to do everything we can to make their process streamlined so they can uh, be as successful as possible and employ more and more people. Yeah, cool. Uh, so in all those conversations you have with business owners, because it, it seems like you, you're on the pulse of this kind of stuff, is there anything else that you've seen, anything else you've identified that you'd like to mention that also wasn't in the article about just other challenges you're finding within the entrepreneurial experience? I mean, the business community always is going to move faster than government, right? Yeah. So, so that's the struggle, is that it's ever-evolving and ever-changing. So that, as I mentioned before, just having the, the city officials having a pulse on the on on the way business is evolving will help tremendously. And Bloomington's doing a, a good job. We've made some great strides. We've got a dedicated downtown economic development person in Melissa Hahn. Uh, we've recently updating our zoning code. I sit on the Bloomington Planning Commission, and we just recently updated that to simplify that and make it easier. But I think it's more of an education process from the city to let the business owners know how to navigate that code and why we have some of those regulations in place, as well as an education process from the business owners to the municipality to let them know their challenges so that we can face those head on. Uh, one last thing. As far as new businesses uh, in the area, and I know you said early on in the article that uh, all these big businesses that come in town, the, the giant corporations, they get a lot of pubs. So it's not mm -hmm. that hard for a, for a bigger company to be known. For smaller companies, how do they get the word out when, they, when they're launching, when they're trying to find their customer base? What is the smartest way for them to, you know, get more information to the community? Well, I mean, there's ways for them to get the word out, but unfortunately they don't have a lot of time to market because they're too busy navigating some of these goals. So, so I think if we can eliminate some of the headache that comes with starting a business, then they can have the proper time to market their business, which will mm -hmm. initially equal more success for them down the road. Because we want as many of our, of our local businesses to, to succeed as possible. Yep. And the way to do that is get government out of the way as much as possible and help them start their business, work on their business, and not just doing paperwork. Without admonishing any of the bigger companies, there's something about the uh, small business approach when you go in, you get to know the owner directly of a company. There's something that feels really good about that when you're when you're you know interacting on a somewhat regular basis with stores and and businesses. It's it's nice to to feel like they appreciate you and you appreciate them. And you're not going to get that in the big giant stores. Uh, real quick though, I think what I heard you say in your answer was small businesses should be on the Craig Collins show. That's I think yeah, that's yeah. what I heard you say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, honestly, I think as many as as much as they can get out, as much as our community, awesome. meaning our partners like like WJBC can help them market themselves, the better. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, the, the door is open then, small businesses of, of Bloomington and Normal. Let me know who wants to come on, what you want to talk about. I want to hear your story. We'll figure it out here at WJBC on my show. But, you know, and you sound like the right guy to connect to, Justin, because I think you might know some people that I want to get to know. I know a few. All right, there you go. We're going to talk about that off the air. Uh, this is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Just a few more minutes, and then we got to take another break. And actually, in just a three minutes, I'd say, we're going to give you that word, that 4K word at uh, 4 o'clock. You could win $1,000 in, I can't give it to you now. I'm legally not allowed to. i got to wait three more minutes, but you're going to hear that very soon. Uh, first, I wanted to mention this story that I found. It's an interesting study. A study of 2,022 to 38-year-olds found being under pressure to be lucky in love, succeed in their careers, and meet the expectations of their peers, and this is people that are millennials, uh, three-quarters feel increasingly overwhelmed. 
Seven in ten people feel stresses such as going to the gym regularly, being active on social media. It's interesting that the study mentioned social media. And earning enough money also means it gets a bit uh, much from time to time. That's a quote. It gets to be a bit much. It has emerged that the average millennial feels they're not good enough 130 times a year. And actually, the study goes on to point out some of the areas in which a person usually thinks that maybe they're not living up to their peers' Um, you know, uh, whatever the established kind of idea is, which to me, I, I very much wonder if social media is a huge, huge component in this, right? Because you see your friends, maybe they're Snapchatting from the gym or they're sh- throwing a, a selfie on Instagram, eating something healthy, and you think to yourself, I'm not doing that as much as this person appears to be doing it. And for any millennial out there that feels this way, that's listening to talk radio, you're awesome first. Uh, But second, I I think that social media, as most of us know deep down, I think we forget often, but I think we truly know when we think about it, that it's an advertisement. It's not a real representation of people's lives. It is a a fake, you know, uh, certainly an exaggerated, these are the best highlight moments of our lives. And so if you see social media, if you look at that sort of thing, like most of my friends who've walked away from it, because I have a few that have, uh, you should know that this is not the everyday lives of most, certainly the influencers, of the influencers, I can't even say the word, the influencers, there it is, of the world out there in those places demonstrate to you from time to time how, how many of their things are manufactured. So it was interesting to see that study. 58% believe the expectations to do well are just simply unrealistic. Uh, some of the top pressures include eating healthy, having enough money, which I think is a fair pressure, especially since millennials are struggling to get paid at the same rate that I think the generations before them got paid. I know if I'm talking to an older generation, I'm a millennial and I'm complaining and, and you can tell me how I'm screwing up. But still, it is true that the, the rate of pay is lower now percentage wise than it's been in the past. Uh, sticking to a diet, the top two of the top three options involve food going to the gym, walking 10,000 steps a day. By the way, we have technology to check that, so that's different than it used to be. Uh, eating my eating my five a day, that's an interesting one. Working long hours, making friends, getting enough sleep, sleeping por- properly, those are all things that millennials worry about. As far as the friends thing, too, you read all the time that even though people have a ton of social media friends, they don't necessarily feel like they have close friends anymore, and I think that's true for, for any age group right now, so it's an interesting challenge as well. Uh, But, you know, uh, if we're at a point right now where a lot of millennials, 7 out of 10, feel like everything's a bit too much, I think we need to do a little bit better to to change the expectation. Maybe not the reality of the world, but at least what they're uh, aspiring to. Maybe that goal, maybe that line can just scooch down just a tad. All right, it's time for the word of the day. This is the 4 o'clock word. We play this. We do this four times a day. It is called 4K a day here at WJBC. You can win $1,000 right now. Text the keyword CHECK, C-H-E-C-K, to 95819. That's CHECK to 95819. We'll text you back to confirm your entry. Data and message rates may apply. It's 4K a day with AM 1230 WJBC. And maybe a millennial win this win this one. Just a couple more minutes, and then we have to take a news break here on WJBC. I love this next story. It's out of the U.K. It's a bride and groom who couldn't figure out what to serve food-wise for their reception, or actually it might have been a a pre-wedding breakfast that they were going to have uh, with their guests. And so after a lot of debate and both of them going back and forth, Victoria and Tom decided, you know what, let's just order Domino's. So they call up a local Domino's. This is literally hours before I think they intended to serve the food to all the people coming uh, to the event. And they ordered 
30 large pizzas, 20 garlic bread boxes, 20 boxes of chicken strips, 20 boxes of potato wedges, and plenty of garlic and herb dip. And the Domino's, the local branch, kind of freaked out because that's the largest order they'd ever seen. It totaled about $450 uh, to get this delivered to the to the couple for their wedding. But it, it seemed to be a, a hit with people. It's one of those things where you don't really understand, you know, they had intended to maybe do like a breakfast thing, uh, some traditional American breakfast food items. But instead they, they went Domino's and people were like, yes, we don't see this often. This is great. I actually attended a wedding uh, where they did food trucks at the reception. It was in New York. So three different food trucks rolled up right as the uh, wedding was getting over. And we were all, it was in the same venue. So we were all getting prepared for the reception part of the celebration. And it was a, a hit. Now, granted, one of the three food trucks wound up being way more popular than the other two, which I don't think the couple had planned. So there was a tad bit of a line to get your food, but it was made completely fresh, and the food truck sat there all night, so you could go back for second, third helpings, whatever you wanted. It was, you know, 100% comp that evening. Drinks were free. It wound up being a really great event. Now, granted, they're both doctors in New York, so they could afford that kind of fancy, fancy meal. I don't think we can all do that, but 450 on Domino's, that isn't going to kill everybody. Uh, that seems like a pretty good move. Victoria 26 and Tom 29 said that they had a really great time and it all worked out lovely and they definitely do it again. So if you're struggling for an idea and you're thinking, hey, what do we do with this next recession? I love technology. I love smart technology. I love any kind of way in which my life can be made easier by technology. But I read an article today from a, a food futurologist which I didn't know was a job, and it sounds like a pretty cool job. I don't know how you study to be a food futurologist, but they are they are out there. And uh, this doctor seems to think that in the next 15 to 20 years, a lot is going to change about our diets because of uh, the technology. And what she says is that we'll all be fitted with a skin-embedded sensory device. That's correct. We'll have something put into our bodies that will calculate the optimum diet for us. Uh, this would include monitoring, you know, whether or not we, we have a predisposition to certain things by checking our genetic background, checking any sort of medical conditions we have. It will, it will track our breath, our biometrics to see the exact mi micronutrients and vitamins we're missing so that it can recommend them to us. I guess there'd be some kind of app or something tied to it so the, the chip will detect what you need to put in your body and then you can have it texted to you and told, tell you, hey, you're running a little low on this, kind of like your car when it runs out of fuel. Um, so that that in and of itself, outside of some people being afraid of maybe getting chipped, putting technology in their bodies, to me sounds really cool. I'd love for my phone to text me and say, hey, you need a little bit more vitamin D right now. That will be much better for your health. Uh, the article goes on to say that this increased focus on personalized health, along with a, a tying in of technology, will eliminate the one size fits all diet culture that exists right now where you go online and you read you know, the suggestions for you to get healthy, lose weight, whatever, that might not necessarily work as well as they do for your buddy who's bragging about his his results because, you know, uh, every person's different, every uh, DNA, all of our, all that stuff is different. So I guess it's it's interesting. I wonder if we'd all embrace this kind of technology. I know right now people are very afraid of putting anything in inside a, a you know, their skin or inside their hand or anywhere like that. So every time it comes up, um, but the, the article does point out that right now we're making more healthy food decisions than we, we've ever made, and a large number of those decisions are made just because of that. Apparently, we also repeat meals. 
In this study of about 2,000 people looking into dinner habits, it saw that 27% of respondents just have the same meals over and over again because they know they're healthy. 24% cite what meals they choose uh, based on just the health of the items they're eating. 21% say they choose items based on how easy they are to make, and that's probably the younger people in the study. Affordability certainly is a factor. And trying out something new, only 3% of people would like to try out something new. So I, I wonder how rogue you go in the in the dinner world. When you're cooking for yourself, which I don't do often, my wife cooks very, very often for us, and she makes new dishes every so often because she likes the challenge of that sort of thing. But if you're cooking at home, do you challenge yourself to new things? Do you eat healthy? And why do you eat healthy? And then I guess most importantly, according to this article, would you allow technology to make things better? Would you, if it could make you healthier, if it could let you live longer, would you be a type of person that would go, you know, why not? Go ahead and chip me up and I'll figure out what I'm supposed to eat based on all the feedback I get from that. Um, I, I might do it, you know, why not? It's it's not, technology can be helpful for the most part, except when I get hacked, I guess. That would be the only point that would be bad when Craig Collins gets hacked live on the air because his food chip uh, is malfunctioning or someone gets me and then I start doing crazy things. Um, a new YouTube show is coming out. It features celebrities. Well, actually, excuse me, it is a YouTube show. It will now be on television. It features celebrities eating hot things while doing an interview. It's called Hot Ones, and for the most part, they eat hot chicken wings. It's very funny. It's coming to True TV. It might not have the same celebrity cachet that the YouTube show does. It might just be regular people answering pop trivia questions, but uh, it's, a, it's a pretty funny show if you've got to check it out online. And now it's going to be launched into the, the world on True TV. And so it just shows you the power of YouTube, too. A winning team will get $25,000 per episode. And uh, I think the show is going to be kind of successful. Because if you've seen the YouTube channel at all, they're, they're pretty funny videos. Um, I wouldn't do it. I would not tar partake in the Hot Ones Challenge, eating hot wings while trying to answer basic interview questions. But, you know, that's me. I will get chipped. I won't eat hot wings. I'm, a, I'm an interesting fellow. This is the Craig Collins Show. we got a lot more coming up. Uh, but first, I got a break for this. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Uh, this half hour of the show is sponsored by Sylvania Automotive. It's that time of year again, headlight savings time. See what they did there? That's very clever. Uh, when the night gets darker and you need a fresh pair of headlights that are up to the task, can't remember the last time you replaced your headlight bulbs, well, now it's the time. Visit sylvania-automotive.com to find your perfect bulb. I brought our intern, who I'm calling an intern, intern Blake, back into the show. I'm not an intern. Well, you're the honorary intern of the Craig Holland Show now because you said for the last six years some people in the office forget that you've graduated from the intern role. So without any responsibilities, I'm just making you an honorary member of this program. Yeah, why not? Uh, there you go. Thank you so much. Uh, we did get one uh, listener give a recommendation to you in the last hour of the show. You had a predicament that you were in. Uh, some people don't struggle as much as you to find the right gift to give someone for their housewarming slash friendiversary. Right. But you're a very thoughtful guy. You yeah. wanted to go above and beyond the wine item or the plant item that people might go to. So you asked listeners to give you recommendations. And one, uh, John from Clinton. Johnny. Might, he might be your boy. Do you yeah. know him? Yeah, Johnny's got a cat named Mo. Okay, because you live in Clinton. He lives in Clinton. I imagine you guys know each other. Nope. You probably hang out at, <laughs> at each other's houses because Clinton is a very small place, I've heard. I, I don't know John from Clinton. Okay. John, if you'd like to call in, I would He doesn't want to go on air. He, too many oh. people know him. Um, yeah. But, but John did want to tell you that his idea was to buy a rotisserie 
And he said you can get them at a steal, just 50 bucks a pop. Oh, my. Yeah, you can get a whole rotisserie mm-hmm. for the wonderful meals they'll be making in their new home. And your reaction is? Uh, that's too much. Outside of your price range? Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago on the Scott Miller Show, uh, somebody called in and said they found John, who found a deer that he was going to take <laughs> home on the road. John then called in and said, that wasn't me. They don't know who I am. Okay. So if he does have a deer, maybe I could take a deer Yeah, over. maybe some deer meat. <laughs> maybe get some deer meat from John and Clinton and bring that, not the rotisserie. They can cook it any way they want. But there we go. Oh. This idea is now incredible. Uh, we do have another caller calling in. Maybe this is John calling back. Uh, you're on WJBC. What's your name? My name's John from Clinton. It's John. <laughs> what do you, can you share your deer meat with Blake? Uh, that, that is a completely unbelievable story that someone made up i don't know who okay uh it never ever happened got it you never you didn't you don't have any deer meat currently so you can't give any deer meat to blake that is someone is spreading lies about john from clinton saying that he was in possession of a bunch of deer meat that he's not in possession of that is a good thing to clear up uh, blake said the item was too expensive though john do you have a another recommendation for him other than a, a wa- rotisserie yeah a waffle iron Waffle Ooh, iron. That's a good idea. There you go. And then you can find your own deer meat to make deer meat waffles in there. That would be really great. There you go. There you go. I, I wish I've been trying to find out Yeah. who called and used my name. I have no idea. I, I'm new to the show. It definitely wasn't me. I'm, I've been here three weeks, and that's as far as I can go with. But I'll figure it out for you. The Craig Collins Show will investigate this. We'll send Blake all over Clinton since she lives there, and we'll find the guy that claimed well, I, to be I, you that I has know, deer meat. I know who Blake is. Okay, well, uh-oh. uh-oh. This just got uh-oh. intense. Uh-oh. i got to take a break. Thank you for calling, John. I'm way late he in the commercial. So. Well, now I hung up on him because it sounded like stuff was about to get intense between you guys. <laughs> I don't know who he is. Did you, are you the one that faked it? No. I, I okay. <laughs> you seem very nervous now. i got to take uh, I'm just going to get right to my conversation. We're promoting TEDx Normal on the Craig Collins Show because TEDx is the kind of thing that you need to experience. In my opinion, people need to go to at least some sort of TED Talk or TED event. Uh, Katie Brown is in studio. You are the speaker coach, the lead speaker coach for these events. So tell us first, what is TEDx? Well, TEDx comes from the TED Talks, which is not a person, but stands for Technology, Education, and Design. And all of the TEDx events are independently organized in different places around the world. Mm -hmm. So most of the TED events happen in big cities, cosmopolitan, you know, Chicago, New right, York, right, LA, right, yeah, those places. But the TEDx events allow smaller communities to experience the same kind of big ideas that the larger communities have, but right here in their own communities. Right. So the the first recommendation for anyone that has no concept of what a TED Talk is or TEDx or anything, just go to the YouTubes and punch in TED Talk and then watch one of the topics that seems interesting to you and your brain will be expanded. I think that often my little brother does this all the time. He steals TED Talk concepts and brings them up at parties to seem smart, and he just hopes that no one else has seen that specific TED Talk. That's good. So, right. It, it's an icebreaker if you want it to be one. That's his role in all that is he's spreading the word but claiming all of the credit. Uh, if you want to steal some of these people's ideas, maybe that's not the right pitch. Is that the right pitch? To, uh, to borrow and expand right. on. Yeah, exactly. With limited credit, only when forced to give it, uh, you should show up on the 16th 
of November. It starts at 9 o'clock. It goes until noon. Tickets are open to the public. This is the TEDx event for this month. The theme is authenticity. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the TEDx themes are really broad because we want people to be able to interpret that in any way that they'd like. So this year's theme is authenticity. And this is our fifth year running the TEDx event. They've all had uh, themes like um, engage and you know mm-hmm. really broad kinds of topics. But when we see people interpret that, we get people from lots of different fields and areas and different kinds of ideas. This year we have nine speakers who are representing lots of different industries and fields, everything from life coaching and sex ex- education. Sure. Yeah, to, uh, I saw you panic. You know WJBC <laughs> and you, you've obviously been connected. I think that you're, uh, you're who is it? Someone in your family is is connected to this radio station? <laughs> yes, my father-in-law. Okay, your father-in-law. And as soon as the word sex came out of your mouth, you're like, is that okay here? <laughs> is the FCC we, coming? Right? I don't know. Can what's, we what's say happening? that word on these? Yes, you can say that word. Well, fantastic. Yeah, and I think ahead. if you, like me, are tripping over, you know, the idea right. of going to see a sex expert, sex uh-huh. expert talk on a Saturday morning, sure. then maybe the TEDx events are exactly for you. We right. also have an expert who's coming in to talk about extraterrestrial messaging. So <laughs> lots of different ways to interpret often. Okay. Do you know anything else about that expert talking about extraterrestrial messaging? Do they have, like, proof that they, we've gotten them? Well, I think you'll have to come to the talks and okay, find out. That, see, that was well done. See, I know you have a radio background. Uh, there's also an actor, a writer, a speaker, and a director. Justin Sandler is going to be uh, one of the people there. So, like you said, it's, it's all over the place. It's CEOs of companies, CFOs. It's people local, people from ISU. Uh, it's all different kinds of professionals talking about, in some way, shape, or form, the topic of authenticity. Authentic- Authenticity. Authenticity. Thank you. I needed to get there. Um, so why here in normal, though? Why is that a good place to have these kind of conversations, do you think? Well, why not? <laughs> I mean, but, but more pointedly, uh, I think smaller communities have a reputation for maybe not being open to different kinds of ideas. And I think ah. events like TEDx Normal really turn that on its head and say, yes, we are a place for big ideas. We have people, all of these people from different industries. Some of them are local right here in Bloomington Normal. Others are from a little farther away, like Madison or Indiana. And mm-hmm. then we have others coming from, like you said, California. Justin's an actor. So, you know. So he has to be from California. He, he has so to be. Right. That's where the magic happens. Only one of two places. <laughs> so we have lots of big ideas and people from coming all over to, nice. to normal. I mean, people apply to be uh, TEDx speakers. Tell me more about that. Can somebody in the community, somebody who's listening right now who who wants to help broaden the horizons of the area, uh, can they reach out and try to become a speaker? Absolutely. All you need is a big idea and we will coach you through the rest. So if you go you to will our, coach them through the I rest. will coach you. Got it. Okay. <laughs> we have a wonderful team of speaker coaches this nice. year. I'm, I'm the lead speaker coach. This is my second year doing this. Um, but what we want to do is help people who have big ideas, but maybe not a lot of speaking experience mm-hmm. to be able to work with them and get that big idea on a larger stage because these TEDx talks are not only for the live audience that comes on the 16th, but also when they're broadcast online on YouTube. I mean, you can you could see right. people's careers have taken off. Mine is certainly, you know, my life has been changed by a TED talk. I spoke at the 2016 event. And here I am with you talking about the speaker coaching process. So you spoke at a 2016 event. What was the topic of your conversation? I did. My uh, topic was fitness inspiration. I had this idea that uh, we could market fitness in a way that actually makes people feel good. And yeah, (laughs) surprise. What was that? And through my research with the Freak Show, I came to some similarities with how fitness is marketed. So Okay, you just sort of... 
shot right past something there. You said you research with the Freak Show? Yes, that's right. Bloomington Normal, a great place to do circus history research. Circus history research. That's right. I know you've only been here for a couple of weeks. I have. But that is one of the highlights of our community. Is Fantastic. Our, yes, we were one of the uh, winter homes and, and, you know, great places to do circus. So I started doing that research and found wow. the similarities. And someone said to me, you should do a TED Talk. And I thought, well... I, that's just for big name people, but they convinced <laughs> I'm not me. Famous enough? Well, they convinced me my idea was big enough. There you so go. went through the process, and I learned so much and met so many wonderful people who are out there sharing their message and their work in a big way. And I wanted to do that too. So here we are. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kate Brown. You are the uh, lead coach for anyone that's going to give a a presentation at one of these TED Talks here in Normal. Uh, like you said, people can reach out and try to become speakers and the idea is really all that should be how it's kind of like the voice right the voice is all that matters for these things the idea matters so much more than the speaker because you're going to do you not like that i just compared it to the voice no the voice is great okay good okay i could see a mixed (laughs) reaction where you're going with this all right well because in that show the premise is that they coaches don't see the person performing so the voice is all that matters in this even though you're watching someone give a uh, give a speech you don't have to know who they are to take something profound away from the conversation because that idea is hopefully big enough uh, to be worth your time. And, and for the most part, any TED thing that I've seen, the idea is always worth uh, your time. So check it out. It's coming in just a couple weeks, November 16th, 9 o'clock to noon. It is, as, it is at the Concert Hall at the Center for Performing Arts here at ISU. Uh, how do people get tickets again? They can go to our website, TEDxNormal.net, Perfect. or go to our Facebook page. Make sure you click that you're going, and you can buy <laughs> tickets there. You can also walk up uh, at the box office at cool. the bcpa very cool lots of cool people to see and by the way you mentioned casually while we were in the break that you have a band i'm trying to do this band thing on fridays i'm going to tell you more <laughs> about that in the break this is the craig collins show on wjbc i'm with you for another uh you know little while here i've got another hour and 10 minutes uh, and i'm trying to figure out how to get concert or excuse me winners set up in our system correctly by the way i'm so sorry vicky come back you did win you definitely won a prize uh but moving on real quick uh, anyone who won tickets last week to the ISU games, you do have to pick them up here at the station. Um, just a few other things. Uh, I saw this, and I thought it was kind of interesting. A woman got in trouble. She's a 52-year-old woman out of Louisiana. And the reason she got in trouble is she was selling, I quote, not just making, she was selling fake doctor's notes to kids around town so they could get out of class. She's actually facing up to five years in prison for falsifying records, essentially, because she was pretending to be a doctor. Um, what's interesting about this is kids would pay her 20 bucks, and she sold about 14 total ones, so the word must have gotten out after one kid got one somehow that she would do this. And so for $14, she would write the, or $20, excuse me, she would write the, you know, this kid's sick, he can't be in school note, and then they'd skip class. My only question in reading this whole thing is, where was this woman when I was in school? And also, are you shocked that she can go to prison for that long for doing this? I mean, I would think that maybe some level of, okay, this certainly was wrong. And actually, I guess the argument would be the safety of the kids, because if their parents don't know they're out, okay, this is a complicated issue. I don't have enough time for it. i got to take another break. I'm behind on breaks. More after this on The Craig Collins Show. But let me know. Do you think that the the punishment is appropriate for this crime? Uh, do you want 3300 bucks? I'm not giving it away. I'm just asking you if you want it. Because there is a company willing to give you $3,300. All you have to do is get the flu. Willingly get the flu, and the National Institute of Health, who is running a study, will pay you $3,300 because they want to check on the uh, efficacy of a nasal spray to see if it's something that 
can, you know, maybe infect you in the first place or if it's something that that will help you with your symptoms. They just kind of want to see what happens is the way it's quoted here. Uh, But they're looking for volunteers in some bigger cities, and you can probably find your way into one of those studies. Uh, But for 3,300 bucks, is that enough? to get the flu on purpose. I thought that the amount of money would be a lot higher, especially since the flu can every once in a while have a very, very bad effect on your health. I don't know if $3,300 is enough for me to do it, but if it's enough for you, I'm sure you can seek them out. The National Institute of Health, uh, you know, that's just uh, every so often you hear about those studies too, where they, they want you to get sick somehow. They want you to, to sleep for like 25 days and they'll pay you and the pay never seems to be enough. I think that maybe the studies need to be a little better funded, and then they'll have a lot better. And, you know, I'm sure that a lot of the people that do this right now are, are people doing a lot of the stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you give me a little bit more than $3,300, i would get the flu. Maybe ten grand, maybe $15,000. I'm trying to think what the exact number is. You can call me if you want and tell me what you think the number is to get the flu willingly. What would you do it for? 829-2345. Let me know. But I'm sure most of you will not say... Uh, a little over $3,000 is enough. A Massachusetts man claims he won the lottery twice in 18 months. Is he just one of the luckiest people ever, or is this guy, does he have a trick somehow? He collected a million dollars for a jackpot and a scratch-off, and just 18 months later, he is claiming a second prize. The next prize would be for $4 million in this scratch-off. And, you know, that's a lot of money to go to just one individual so you start to wonder, since the odds are so, so terrible to, to win once, what are the chances that this guy could win twice? Um, but apparently, um, and how would you feel, by the way, if you're this guy, if you're Rolf Rhodes, that's the name of the winner out of Massachusetts, and you, you won two scratchers, do you now buy them and a whole bunch of them for the rest of your life? When people look at you and say, hey, man, do you know what the odds are of winning? And you flash your $5 million in their face? which I do hope he has all on his person at all times. Um, But that is a a ridiculous amount of money to win on a second try, and uh, life's just not fair because this guy can win the lottery twice, and I'm trying. My wife actually asked me that yesterday. I don't know what spurred it. We were at the concert and on our way home from the uh, fall concert. She's like, hey, we should get a lottery ticket. And I asked her why, and she's like, I don't know. I just feel lucky. And I was like, okay, if that's all it takes to win, we, we can do it. We didn't get one, but maybe we should because... If we're anything like Rolf, maybe we'll win. And I wonder what you'd do with a whole bunch of money. If you won a whole bunch of money, you can tell me that, too. Call in and let me know. If you won the lottery, what's your first purchase? I don't want to know all of them, but what's, like, the the number one idea you have, the first thing that you'd want to do with a whole bunch of free cash, uh, call me uh, and let me know. That's 829-2345. I want your phone calls at the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to beg for them. Um, one more quick story, and then we've got a break for news. This surprised me. An 11-year-old at a Zimbabwe saved her 9-year-old friend from a crocodile by attacking the crocodile and gouging, I quote, gouging its eyes out. Can you? Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. My next guest is a journalist at the New York Times who wrote a tremendously interesting article that I stumbled upon today um, talking all about, and this is the title of it, I Got Access to My Secret Consumer Score. Now you can get yours, too. There are consumer scores out there on all of us from compiled from all different companies. So it's it's a fascinating conversation in and of itself. But uh, Kashmir Hill, you are a journalist at the New York Times. Welcome to the Craig Collins Show. Thanks for joining us. 
Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So first explain to me, I know you've been writing about this for a long time with the New York Times, but explain to me what a consumer score is and, and why I guess it exists. Well, there are a number of companies that are in the business of kind of rating and scoring consumers. And they do this uh, for retailers to prevent fraud, you know, to, for, to prevent stolen credit cards, making purchases. Um, but they also do this for, for merchants to help them identify their best customers. Um, they're, they're big spenders so that they can treat those people better. And so there's a variety of companies that are kind of in this business and they're doing a variety of things, but at the end of the day, it's about better understanding us, building files on us, and, yeah, um, yeah figuring out how to treat us. Well, and they obviously have more information that they, maybe they can access than ever before. Um, certainly, there's all kinds of things you agree to when you're on you know, Facebook or even iPhones or, or any, um, any websites, any sort of things that you're, you're giving away a lot more information than you realize in doing this research, you found a consumer score that was like 400 pages long, right? Right. One of the companies that I went to to get my data files was a company called Sift, and they work for companies like Airbnb and Yelp and um, OkCupid and help them, you know, find abusive customers or, uh, you know, again, prevent fraud. But when I asked for my file, they sent back this 400-page text file that had every time I'd done anything on Coinbase, this Bitcoin wallet, that had my Yelp orders over many years so that I could see that I ordered Sog Paneer, <laughs> you know, back in April of 2016. Wow. But the most shocking thing is that they had all of the Airbnb messages that I had sent to hosts. And that had, you know, often sensitive information about my family, sure. about my problems with their property, and I just had no idea there was a company beyond Airbnb that had those messages. Well, and more importantly, that they're using those messages to build some sort of profile on you and then selling it to other other companies where it may not actually be a true reflection of, of who you are. I mean, the, the weirdness and the fact that it's so sort of like nitpick there. They're finding messages on one platform and then creating some sort of consumer profile based on it. That's not a full reflection of you and certainly not one you wanted to just be out there in the world for other companies to to look up. Right. And Sift would say, you know, they're not they're not necessarily selling my Airbnb messages to a, a another to another company. They have the Airbnb messages because Airbnb has hired them to do this anti-fraud work. But at the same time, Sift is using that file for all of its different clients. So it's using kind of what it knows about you from Airbnb to help it make decisions when it sees, you know, you or your device or your credit card show up on Yelp. Um, so, so you do see the kind of like uh, analysis of your activity kind of spreading to other companies that way. And you could actually read the verbatim messages that you were sending through Airbnb on the profile that Sift had, correct? Yes, the most embarrassing thing is that I spent a Thanksgiving in wine country in California and uh -huh. just had all kinds of problems with the house. And so I had sent these messages just complaining every day <laughs> to the owner of the home. And I just felt badly that on Thanksgiving, this, this holiday of gratitude, it was just me with like complaint and grievance after one after another. Um, but again, yeah, it was just, it was just shocking to see how long this file was. And that it was all this information that was in the hands of a company I just hadn't really heard of before I did this story. Well, yeah, that's a big part of it, too. So I, in the article, you mentioned how we're learning more about these companies or learning that these profiles exist. How, how is that occurring? 
Well, these companies have been around for a long time, and journalists have been writing about them for at least a decade. And they often will say, you know, these are very secretive companies that are doing scoring of you. You haven't heard of them. You probably never will hear of them. What changed in the last few months is that there are these new privacy laws in Europe and soon in California that require that companies be transparent with people about the the data they have on them. And um, a lot of these companies have decided, okay, we see the writing on the wall. Let's just be transparent with all of our customers, no matter where they live. So I live in New York, and even though there's not a law here that says the companies have to tell me what they have on me, I was able to go to these companies and request my files, and they sent them to me for the most part. And so my article is about, you know, what I got back, but it's also giving people instructions on on how they can get their own files as well. Yeah, uh, there's uh, quite a few other companies that you encountered. Do you want to mention any of those other ones that maybe people could go and look for more information about those too? Yeah. So one thing that's hard about this is there's so many different companies out (laughs) there. And so, you know, these five are the unfortunate ones to be picked out for a New York Times article. Um, But there's a company called Retail Equation that determines whether you can make returns or not at companies like Best Buy and Sephora. Um, and so if you've ever, if you've ever have gone to a retailer and they said, sorry, uh, you can't return that, you know, you've returned too many things in the past, or, um, this is the company that's responsible for helping to make that decision. Wow. The retail equation is one you can get a report from, um, uh, a woman who, uh, works for a consumer organization that had complained about these companies, uh, did this data request it well, as well at my suggestion. And she got a report from retail equation that had a return she had made to Victoria's Secret in 2009 for three items for $78. And that was just still wow. you know, sitting in their system, which is which is really wild to me. Yes, for sure. For uh, Me too. And uh, there, like you said, there's other companies listed. I guess uh, people should probably go to the New York Times and read your article to see uh, some of those other ones listed. A couple other questions for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, the first one, and this is one I asked you off the air, how did it feel reading through all of this information and seeing the amount of depth that some of these companies had and just knowing, like you said, even though it's not being sold, that it it's just out there? And this is someone who writes about this, so you're you're more aware than the average person as to the fact that things like this could exist. But but what sense, what sort of feelings do you get when you're going through this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've been writing about privacy for a long time. I've done a lot of first-person experiments like this where I try to capture the data about me that's going to companies. And I have just never seen anything like this before. To get a 400-page file from a company with messages that I thought were private was just I was I was shocked I was floored and a lot of the, the a lot of the data in there was pretty banal uh, but to to have it be shared in this way was just so unexpected uh, that I I truly was um, shocked is really the, the only word that keeps coming to mind as you started to reach out to the companies that that probably to some extent want to remain anonymous how did they react to you when you were getting on the phone with these people and telling them you're a reporter from the new york times who wants more information about this stuff was it were they very resistant to you know even be on the phone with you i mean some companies were were, are being really transparent i mean sift for example that sent the 400 page file it was shocking at the same time i really appreciate that they're willing to share that data and be this transparent other other companies like um, one called Customer Inc. That is um, it, it provides kind of a 360 degree um, perspective on a customer, so uh, that a company can see every 
every interaction they've had with that person. They can figure out their wow. lifetime value as a consumer. That company just gave me the runaround and would never send me my report and said, okay, well, we're just a database company. Like, we have this profile on you, but it belongs to the company that asked us to make it. So you need to go directly to that company and ask them for your data. We're not going to give it to you. Um, So some companies were definitely more resistant than others. Sure. And then one last question for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, What do you think we should do as as consumers? Are these the kind of things that we don't want to exist? Are these the kind of things that just having the information as well is is enough? Um, What's a good way to take action moving forward? Well, you know, these, these privacy laws get passed, and they're very wonky, and most people are just completely unaware of them. But they do have these tools built into them, and we should take advantage of them and take advantage of the trickle-down effects that we're seeing from these laws. So I really hope that other consumers do what I did and go and get their files and, you know, see if there's anything wrong in them, anything disturbing about them. Um, and in some some places, you can request the deletion of the information that's there. Um, there's exceptions, like companies that are helping to prevent fraud will not delete the data because then fraudsters can just sure. email them and say, delete my data. Yeah. But in some cases, you know, there, there may be mistakes um, that you can correct. And so I really think people should take advantage of this transparency. Thank you so much. Uh, she is Kashmir Hill. She's a journalist at the New York Times. You can find her on Twitter, at Cash Hill. Uh, you are named after the song, so go check her out on, on social media. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us in WJBC, and I look forward to talking to you soon because I'm sure uh, there's a lot of other interesting stuff that you write for the New York Times outside of just I got access to my con- secret uh, consumer score, now you can too. Uh, so I'm going to reach out again. Hopefully you come on the show again soon. That would be great. Awesome. Thanks so much. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I have another half an hour or 20 or so minutes hanging out with you guys. Uh, Real quick, I wanted to mention this mostly because I just saw it, and my wife, Betty, if she's listening, is going to be very excited about it. Amazon, uh, their Echo devices, will now be able to respond in both English and Spanish to people when when you talk to them. So you used to have to pick just one language. But uh, Amazon mentioned a few weeks ago at its big event that it would roll this service out, and it apparently just rolled out in the U.S. Their Amazon Echoes are now bilingual, so that'll make my wife very happy since she's constantly screaming at, at our Amazon devices, which I do love smart technology, so I have a bunch of them in the house. All the lights are smart, the TV's smart, a bunch of things are smart, and my wife will just be standing next to one of those smart devices screaming at it in English with her heavy accent, and it doesn't always understand her, but now now it will, so that's... Awesome news for anyone with a smart device from Amazon in the house. She's now bilingual, much like my wife is. Uh, This caught my eye, this story out of North Carolina, and it actually happened a while ago, but it seems to be making the rounds now. On October 5th, North Carolina police were looking for a suspect in a murder case, and they approached a vehicle at about 11 o'clock, and the vehicle speeds off. Officers then end up in a high-speed pursuit with this vehicle. But about two miles into that car chase... A Ford Taurus, a black Ford Taurus with blue lights turned on. So it kind of looks like another police officer's car, but it's not exactly right. Something about it seems weird. Sped into the chase, wound up getting in front of the suspect's vehicle, slowed it down enough for cops to apprehend the person in the car. The person driving the Ford Taurus actually was the one to cuff the person at the end of the high-speed chase. We've found out that that guy's not a cop. Um, he actually also is in trouble now. He's been arrested for um, impersonating an officer, and that has a lot of heavy issues that come with it. But 
it's a weird story out of North Carolina because without this guy, I imagine that you know this the chase probably would have ended the same. I imagine cops at some point would have been capable of of stopping this person and apprehending them on their own. And I'm certainly not going to advocate any sort of like vigilante people go out there. Uh, but it it is weird that this guy, his name is David Adams, was capable of of helping the cops out and then just went way too far. I mean, probably from start, but in the process by getting out of the car, telling them he's an officer and then helping them cuff the guy. I mean, he had his hero moment in his mind for sure, which is very illegal. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what kind of, you know, uh, charges he winds up with and what kind of sentence or, or fines he gets, if any. Because at the end of the day, even though you should not do this, this guy did help uh, apprehend a, a suspect in a murder investigation. So it's just kind of a crazy story out of North Carolina that I wanted to share today. Uh, he was given a $1,500 unsecured bond to get out of jail for now, and uh, we'll see what happens. But isn't that not that that's the kind of thing that I would ever recommend anyone do, but isn't it interesting to think that this person was capable of, of helping police and he will very much be in, in trouble for it. Um, moving on to other things in the news, I saw this story. Uh, there is a company starting today that's willing for $500 to do a deep dive into your, your DNA, etc., and give you a bunch of information that might be valuable to you uh, health-wise. Uh, it's 500 bucks, and you have to send a saliva sample, only a saliva sample. I don't want to name the company because some of these pseudoscience kind of things are not necessarily deserving of, of publicity, although uh, one of the founders of this company that I'm not naming uh, does work at MIT. He leads the Glenn Center for the Biology of Aging Research at MIT. And, and essentially the idea is that you send this sample off to the company, they'll look through it, and what they'll tell you is how much you're aging year over year compared to how old you actually are. So they look at all the different markers that they can find within the DNA, and apparently saliva's got a whole bunch of them. Um, it's somewhere in here, but uh, just the saliva contains a high percentage of blood cells. So in the sense, you're sending a blood sample minus a, a needle prick. So, so they really can gain a lot of information about you. And they churn out, the uh, author of this article said that he got back a result that said he is aging about 0.94 or 94% uh, each year compared to a full year's worth of aging. So even though he's 36 now, he's biologically 34 years old, according to his DNA. And I wonder, is this also the kind of thing that we will do a lot more of? Um, it's mentioned in the article that a lot of DNA and ancestry companies have had a lot of issues about errors and inconsistencies with their results. Uh, they assure you from this company that they won't have that problem. They think they've done a great job at at honing in on the exact right markers to tell you what your uh, cumulative age essentially is. Um, but it, it's an interesting story and an interesting thing to consider moving forward. Will we ever get to a point in society where in order to go to a doctor, you'd spit in a cup, send it off to some lab, they're going to send it back and say what diseases you have because they have the technology to, to test it, and then you go to the doctor and that's kind of that's the last step in the process where you just get treated for the things that the big technology company told you you have. Um, I, I wonder how many people will take, this, take them up on this offer, and the fact that it's only $500, which I know I said only, that's still a lot of money, but if you could gain valuable information on how much you're aging year over year and what you could do to prevent yourself from doing it, like getting more sleep, improving your diet, uh, you know, exercising more, and they can give you very specific advice, it, to me, seems like an interesting thing uh, to consider. I'll probably do it. 
you know what? I, I'll do it, and then I'll report back on the Craig Collins Show. I'll tell you guys all what I, what I thought of it, how it worked, um, if I'm aging well, unless it's terribly embarrassing. If I send it off and they're like, Craig, you're actually an 85-year-old man and stuck, a, stuck inside a 34-year-old man's body, then I probably won't share. All right, I've got to talk about this Krispy Kreme story that's in the news. A donut guy, I believe his nickname was Donut Guy in Minnesota, uh, and i got a lot more coming up. John and Clinton called in again. He is a very good um, fact checker for the Craig Collins Show, and he let me know that doing uh, cumulative testing of how old you are compared to you know, how old you actually are, uh, they, you can do that anywhere. He says that they can do that at any kind of local uh, hospital or a lot of uh, different medical places can, can test your spit and tell you if your age lines up with the age on your driver's license. I didn't know that. I'm not sure that that's right, but maybe I'll reach out to some of them and figure it out. But thank you, John, for calling in again, letting me know. Uh, quick piece of information for you. Millennials, totally misunderstood generation, derided constantly. I'm a millennial, so this is one of the few times that a study says that we're not so bad, we're pretty good people. Uh, millennials are more likely to perform good deeds than any other generation. Can you? Do you believe that? I wonder, because this study, at least this one study, says that it's true. Uh, the survey, which was commissioned by a clothing company called Pact, don't judge us, that's who you know looks into stuff that we do, said that 83% of millennial respondents were likely to commit some kind of good deed as opposed to 77% of the older, any other generation of people. So about 6% more millennials are willing to do something nice, willing to do something good. And I get back to this constantly on this show, and I'll probably you know, talk about it again sometime soon, but I wonder if when you grow up in an Internet age and a social media age and everything you do has a little bit more of a microscope on it than your than people before that generation. And I'm sure everybody in your town and everybody around you judged you, so I know we're not all that special. But when you grow up in that time period where your actions can be judged by the world and every so often when someone missteps, they go viral in a very bad way, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why millennials are more likely than other generations to do a good deed. I got another break I have to take here because the Craig Collins Show runs behind a lot. The Krispy Kreme guy. Uh, I think you've heard about this throughout the, the other shows today. It's been reported on a couple times by other hosts at WJBC because it's just an interesting story. This guy's name is Jason Gonzalez. He's 20 years, uh, 21 years old, and he's out of Chaplin, Minnesota. Um, years ago, Krispy Kreme closed entirely in all of Minnesota, about 11 years ago. There's not a single store anywhere near this guy, anywhere near anyone in Minnesota. So Jason drives 270 miles a day in order to uh, pop his head out in Iowa roll up to a Krispy Kreme, buy a hundred boxes of donuts, a hundred boxes, each one carrying 12 donuts, and then drive them back to St. Paul where he sells them for 17 to $20 a box, depending on, I guess, if you're a regular customer or something like that. And uh, yeah, he had spent nearly a hundred dollars each time that he'd drive out. And Krispy Kreme found out about this, unfortunately, because an article popped up in his local newspaper talking about his money-making scheme. He is a college student who is trying to find good ways to, you know, make some cash or maybe pay some of those loans or whatever it is that he's got going on because he's a he's not a very rich student, as most aren't. And so this seems like a pretty ingenious way to do that. But Krispy Kreme has a problem. Uh, they think there's a lot of liability for the company that could come through, which is weird to me, too, because, you know, and I think that Mark Strauss actually pointed this out during his show. Once you buy a product, I thought you owned it. If there's a market for reselling Krispy Kreme donuts, can they tell him to cease and desist? He's not saying he's doing it 
through Krispy Kreme. He's buying donuts, driving them back to where he's from, and then selling them. I, I do wonder if he just keeps doing it. Uh, by the way, he is known as Donut Guy, uh, which is awesome. Uh, and he would have made his 20th trip this past weekend, but because of everything that went on, on out there in the world and Krispy Kreme telling him to stop, he decided to, to give it up. He says, and this is a quote, Life happens, and it could be a sign that something else is meant to be. I certainly agree that Jason Gonzalez seems like the kind of guy that'll figure it out. He'll come up with some other plan, something to to raise the money, because he found a, a need. His his world, people want Krispy Kreme. They don't have Krispy Kreme, and that guy was willing to fill a void. I don't know why you punish him for that. I think you throw a Krispy Kreme hat on the guy and turn him into, like, your next spokesperson. He's He's driving 270 miles a day to get your product and share it with people in St. Paul, Minnesota. You should be, uh, it's just my opinion, Krispy Kreme, I don't work at your PR department, and maybe you're not looking to hire me, but I'd say steer into it. Don't steer away. Uh, Memory tests are showing that at the age of eight, we can predict very, very well our brain power throughout the rest of our lives. So if you are, you know, wondering what your brain power is like, or you're wondering what your kids or your grandkids brain power will be you can get them tested as long as they're about eight and you'll have a very reliable study about 502 people were studied this was back in 1946 and those results obviously have taken quite some time to materialize but recently they've been consistent the kids who performed best in the brain power tests who are now between the age of 69 and 71 um also still perform the best uh it's it's you know, a unique age, apparently, compared to any other time that they executed this test to find out how likely certain illnesses are to happen and how, how sharp you'll be.